0: thanks everyone Great to see all of you really it is wonderful we are in the early stages of just having conversations around the Holy Spirit and um, I say conversations because this splashes over into our discipleship spaces our meal spaces and all that kind of thing Um, but this evening I purposefully I've left my notes in my computer under the hope that it will be shorter rather than longer. But who knows, Joseph, the anointing could hit me and then we are in trouble. But before I start, we have the one and only drum solo, please. Troy is going to come and lead. read the first passage. Troy, where are you, bro?
1: Check in. Just double-checking. Yeah, I'll just start in the middle. Um, cool. So we're going to read Exodus 35, uh, 29. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. or oh, I think it's behind me. Um, perfect. Um, uh, so the Israelites brought a freewill offering to the Lord, all the men and women whose hearts prompted them to bring something for all the work that the Lord, through Moses, had commanded to, do, to be done. <clears throat> Moses then said to the Israelites, Look, the Lord is appointed by name, Bezalel, son of Uri, son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. He has filled him with the God He has filled him with God's spirit, with wisdom, understanding, and ability in every kind of craft, to design artistic works in gold, silver, and bronze, to cut gemstones from the mountain, to carve wood for the work in every kind of artistic craft. He has also given them both. Both him and Oholiab, and son of Ahisamak, of the tribe of Dan. Now you know I got here to read. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, he has filled them with the skill to do all the work of the gem cutter, a designer, an embroiderer, in blue, purple, and scarlet yarn, and fine linen, and a weaver. They can do every kind of craft, and the design artistic designs. Bezalel Leop Aholiab.
0: Oh, holy Just oh, say it quickly. It sounds yeah, yeah, yeah. Quick and over a little
1: bit. Um, and every skilled person in whose heart the Lord had placed wisdom, all whose hearts moved them to come to the work and do it, they took from Moses' presence all the contributions that the Israelites had brought for the task of making a sanctuary. Meanwhile, the people continued to bring free will offerings morning after morning. Then all the artesian, the artesians who were doing all the work for the sanctuary came one by one from the work they were doing and said to Moses, the people are bringing more than is needed for the construction of the work the Lord commanded to be done. After Moses gave an order, they sent a proclamation throughout the the camp. Let no man or woman make anything else as an offering for the sanctuary. So the people stopped. That's it. Cool.
0: So in order for us to understand this beautiful third person of the Trinity we have resisted the instinct to go to Acts and he is all about dunamis, he was all about power and uh, rather adopted what is better known as a narrative theology. Now some narrative theology is really unhelpful so if you google it which some of you will go and do now you will find some of the thinking of narrative theology is very progressive and deconstructionistic and takes the Bible and makes it a little bit more relevant, relevant, relativistic than systematic theology. So what is the difference for those of you who don't know? Systematic theology is where you take a God idea and you plug it with as many scriptures as you can, not to validate your position, but to understand Him who is everything in all ways. And narrative theology is slightly different and i love the two together because what narrative theology does is it walks us through the text and allows us to see where this component or this person or this clarity is progressively through the scriptures and so as we go tonight to the foreshadowing i.e three moments in the old covenant in which god the holy spirit chooses to reveal himself i don't want us to jump into a kind of charismatic or pentecostal subculture i want us with due diligence and intellectual honesty and heartfelt conviction dive into the scriptures and say lord would you teach us again i had quite a sad meeting this week a visitor who came last sunday came and and a delightful guy I, i i can honestly say my heart just warmed to be with him but he was incredibly dogmatic in what he believed to be true and uh, I want to argue whether we're young or old, can we with gentle hands and a tender spirit ask God to teach us afresh who the Holy Spirit is, what He comes to do that's unique that the Father doesn't do and the Son Doesn't do and this is the first this is like a photo album. I'm kind of taking out God's photo album and I'm saying we're going to look at this page and this story and everyone remembers it with sheer joy and why I love this particular story is because it takes us out of the bounds of our charismatic Pentecostal worlds. Let's have a look what happens here. Well God says to Moses. I need you to find this guy this artist guy because the Lord has appointed him. By name and I think there's something exquisite about the unique sense of the hand of God on us individually please don't lose that please never become part of the maddening crowd who's who wrote that book yeah far from the maddening crowd let's let's be out of that just being carried along by the gusto of the many let's rather be able to say God you have appointed me by name Son of Uri, son of Her, and of the tribe of Judah. Can I just throw this in? This isn't just a demographic conversation. Oh, well, actually, uh, so-and-so was his grandpa, and so-and-so was his dad, and now it's him. I think it's because God the Holy Spirit reminds us, dear friends, be in the family, the spiritual family God wants you to be in. You'll see it later on, and how and where it's even stronger. There are two dimensions to this. One is family, one is tribe. Family are those that we do intimate life with. We have blood family, but we also have spiritual family. The language that that Bible authors use, brothers and sisters and fathers and mothers, tells us that there's both biological family and spiritual family. And I just want to implore you, dear, dear, amazing people, please find your spiritual family. You often don't know how or why it's important until you suddenly realize you don't have them meryl came back and i hope you don't mind me saying it love but being with our eldest daughter and her family and the four grandkids or 9 11 13 15 and uh, meryl just sat at newport beach uh, watching the sun go down having drinks together and, and meryl was very tender she was just weeping because although they've left us they don't because god has put us together both Blood and spirit. And then there's the tribe, the tribe of Judah. Please, dear friends, don't get locked up. Please hear a father's heart. I know how sexy and fun it is to run around going to every new cool vibey event. This worship leader is leading worship there. That cool preacher is preaching there. I know John Mark's coming to preach in the fall. We'll be busting out all over. I almost want to be able to have him come when no one knows he's going to be here because it's not get a celebrity rent a crowd it's god has put us into a tribe a global tribe in our case genesis collective through which and from which we are reaching into the nations of the world especially those who have never heard the name of jesus but carrying on he filled him with god's spirit there it is the beautiful holy spirit with wisdom and understanding, the ability in, in every kind of craft to design artistic works in gold, silver, and bronze, to cut gemstones for mounting, and to carve wood for work in every kind of artistic craft. My first kind of photo album moment is the empowerment of God for creativity. You know, I really do, if you will allow me to break the idea the Spirit of God comes when we worship. It's true, He does. But there are many spaces outside of our togetherness. When you are in the place where God has called you, when you are in the spiritual family He's put you into, and the tribe that He has called you to, in that space, God gives you supernatural something else. Supernatural wisdom, supernatural understanding, supernatural ability. This is not your personality, your talents, your ability, your learned skills. This is something way more than that. This is doing what you are not humanly capable of doing. Because the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on you. And he's on you, in this case, to design, to carve, to build, the skill to work with gems, a designer, an embroiderer, a weaver. Isn't that exquisite? I have a friend, Mike McMeekin. Mike and I used to run marathons together. Mike left high school early, didn't finish. Went and surfed and did drugs. And got wonderfully saved. And so we ran together. We spent many hours, many hours. It was he who stopped me one day. I remember clearly the road we were running. It was near Westridge Tennis Stadium, and we were fit and young and lean. And he said to me, "Chris, is the Bible the Word of God?" And I was 24, 25, 26, somewhere on there. And I said to him, Mike, "I'm not sure." And he literally stopped me and he grabbed my running vest. And it's probably one of the biggest leadership lessons I have ever learned. Was that day on the road training for a marathon. With Mike and he said well for our sake you better find out I don't have the right to just not know because my knowing is essential for those who are traveling this is a close friend and no what's the word I'm looking for love no um, he, he didn't he knew who this guy was but somehow he understood Chris, if you're going to lead us, you have to know if the Bible is the Word of God or not. But when Mike got saved, he was selling cars. And he came to me one day and he said, Chris, God wants me to be an artist, appointed by name. I said, Mike, that's amazing. He said, My father never wanted me to be an artist, there's no money in art. He said, I need to go to school. To become an artist and he went and he was how old is Mike then love 28 29 30 and it was one of the most beautiful things to watch Mike's journey as he began to see the hand of God was on him to create we've got a number of his paintings hanging in our house right now he became the president of the Natal Society of Arts As a non-businessman, he raised money to put up a building that arts and new artwork could be displayed with a, a lift up for young artists. moved to Australia, displayed his work there, displayed his work in Japan. Because something happened to Mike during that time and he realized God called him by name to be a painter. You see, there's a misnomer that when the Spirit of God comes upon me, I will sing better, I will have a prophecy, I will have a message, I will do some other spiritual thing. This is a very spiritual thing. Being a designer, a worker with wood, an entrepreneur ideator. In fact, God could trust him so much that the people of Israel gave so much money, Moses begged them to stop giving, said, we've got enough, please, no more offerings. And I want to just suggest to us tonight, as we journey on this route to the Holy Spirit, the the Holy Spirit. Can you and I become vessels for His glorious presence to reside within us, that makes us far better creatives? I've got more prophecies over my life than I know what to do with. I don't need another prophecy. But i need to be amongst people who know about the presence of god and know how to let that presence come and design them one of our friends nigel tarberton is an architect in south africa nigel is not schooled he wants to come to america but he can't be an architect yet because he doesn't have the paper but if you sit with nigel he will tell you how god has woken him up with dreams he designed the stadium for the World Cup in South Africa ten years ago or something he submitted his proposal they turned him down and someone hijacked it and did that exact design for a 60,000 seater soccer stadium that was given to the World Cup where did Nigel get that when God woke him up one night and he sketched the design Of a stadium the holy spirit wants to come and empower us beyond our personality our talents our abilities our um, skills what we learned he wants to do something extraordinary with us and honestly if i can help you get into that journey that is way more exciting way more compelling than almost anything else please don't think you need the holy spirit to preach you do but you might never stand this side of a microphone but you can stand or sit that side of the presence of god as he reveals design to you i love this moment and I'm laboring it, not because I don't have anything else to say, but I wanted to filter down and to break your Christian subcultural boundaries that makes you think when the Spirit of God comes, we prophesy or we dance or we do something. Sometimes all that you have is a notepad and a pencil and you start sketching. Number two not only is there the empowerment to design. But there is also the empowerment for leadership there's an exquisite passage here in numbers those of you don't know uh, the story of Moses leading the people of Israel about 6 million I don't know if anyone really knows they all kind of algorithm guesses but it becomes too great for Moses as you can imagine it's too great of a task the people are complaining they're complaining about everything please don't be a complainer in the church please do you know how many thousands of pastors are leaving the ministry in America this year thousands and thousands and thousands and some of them to be brutally honest and crass is they can't cope with your crap they're precious men and women They're doing the best that they can. I sit with some of them where they've got a church of 50. They've left a business career that could have blessed them and given them financial abundance. And they just sit there weeping. Have I made a mistake, Chris? Have I left what have been a lucrative life full of financial blessing and teed my kids up to have the latest sneakers and the latest clothes to come here? And what I get is complaint after complaint to complaint. I'm pretty gutsy. I've got a fairly thick skin, but it has been hard on you. Please, be value adders. Bring joy. Bring a smile. Be surprising. Be generous. Not to me. I've run this race for 40 years now. It's It's been an incredible, incredible journey. But I look around at some of the youngsters who are in the early stages. I will be with Jesus when some of them are my age and younger, preaching, leading, loving, counseling, praying for, fasting. Israel complained. Gave them food. We don't want manna, we want protein. Were they all on a keto diet? I'm not sure. And the Lord answered, Moses, is the Lord's arm too weak? Now you will see whether or not I, what I have promised will happen to you. And Moses went out and told the people the words of the Lord. And he brought 70 men from the elders of the people and had them stand around the tent. That's what God told him. I'm need you i going to get you to choose 70 men and come and gather around. it. remember, you already had two other leaders with him, Aaron and Miriam. The three of them were leading together. Now this is 70 more. And the Lord descended in the cloud and spoke to him. And he took some of the spirit that was on Moses and placed the spirit on the 70 elders. And as the spirit rested on them, they prophesied. But they never did again. Two men who remained in the camp, one named Aldad and the other Medad. The spirit rested on them also. And they were among those listed, but had not gone to the tent. And they prophesied in the camp. And a young man ran and reported to Moses, Aldad and Medad also They're also prophesying in the camp. And Joshua, son of Nun, assistant to Moses, since his youth responded, Moses, my Lord, please, please stop them. Because they weren't part of the 70. You you can't use them. But Moses asked, are you jealous on my account? If only all of God's people were prophets and the Lord would place his spirit on them. And then Moses returned to the camp along with the elders of Israel. What is the Holy Spirit teaching us? A few things i think that god has a very specific mantle on a very specific leadership team for a very specific church because the spirit that was on moses god took some of that spirit and he put it on them now all of this sounds super strange to you doesn't it it sounds kind of a little ooh, a little bit spooky be very careful which community you position yourself in and under whose leadership you position yourself in. And we'll see more of that in a moment. But God took what was on one of the commentators said the same passion, the same verb, the same values, the same vision. What, God, what was on Moses was put on someone else. Do you understand now why the whole hiring culture in America is a disaster? The statistics are horrific. You submit an application. We look at the resume. Oh, you studied at Vanguard, you got straight A's, you interned at Rock Harbour, and then you did this and you did that. Oh, you're a nice guy. Come. Six months later, you gone. Next, please. It's not the same spirit. I remember early days at Rock Harbour, it was about six thousand and I went to meet Todd there for lunch. And uh, I was just sitting waiting for him to come from his office and the young guy walked up, very nice, very warm, said, hi, I, um, my name is so-and-so, I forget what it was. I said, hi, great to meet you. He said, yeah, I'm the youth pastor here and he just splurged. And I thought to myself, he's not staying. One of the things I loved about Rock Harbor was its humility. God blessed their humility, disproportionately. And I thought, this is not a humble man. He won't stay here. A few months later, I said to Todd, remember your youth guy that you had And his name? said, where is he? He said, yeah, he's not around anymore. I said, I don't think he will be. Because on Moses was a certain spirit and a responsibility. And God took some of that and he put it on the other leaders. It's not who's the most talented, the most skilled, who's got the best resume, who studied at the best colleges, the seminary at Princeton or Talbot or Fullerton. It's not Fullerton, Fuller it's the same spirit it's on Moses he put on the 17. you know the tragic thing is they stopped prophesying wow well that's interesting Chris is there any relevance to it do you know who finally decided Jesus would go to the cross the Sanhedrin who were they they were the 17 that was started that day Every generation, there was a new Sanhedrin set in, but they forgot to prophesy. They became dispensers of business rather than the sensitive ones to the Spirit of God. Had they been sensitive, they would never have dared to send Jesus to the cross. But they stopped prophesying. Now, can I again with a gentle father's heart say to you, when you find your spirit drying up and you are not able to discern what God, the Holy Spirit, is on about, stop, stop, stop and reignite intimacy with the most High. You are too dangerous. I am too dangerous. If a week rushes by and I haven't had good, solid, chunky times of devotion, which I love doing every day, been average kind of got through my bible verse and written in my journal okay i've done my duty and i just feel like my soul is is like a sponge in the sun it's just all crusty and crackly and it's like oh oh, oh, not good time out clear the day clear it you have to go and be in his presence again so that we continue to prophesy you with me all right one more empowered to lead to be the artist empowered to lead in the context of the text we've read we rush to saul king saul who was there ahead of david chapter 10 i think it appears over my shoulder there we go after that you will come to gibia of god where there were, uh, were philistine garrisons when you arrive at the city this is the prophet speaking to saul you will meet a group of prophets coming down from the high places prophesying and they will be preceded by harps and tambourines and flutes and lyres see the beauty of corporate worship please 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 be in the presence of god when there is abundant worship please don't say to me now chris you know i've I've got a few mates and, and we're in community if there isn't sweet holy spirit worship where the instruments are playing and the voices are singing and we're enraptured by the almighty god it's not healthy church and the spirit of god came up will come upon you and you will prophesy with them and you will be transformed please notice that i'm coming back to that when these things have happened to you do whatever your circumstances require because god is with you after that or afterward go ahead uh, of me to Gilgal or Gilgal, and I will come to you to offer burnt offerings, sacrifice, fellowship offerings. Verse 9, when Paul turned, uh, Saul turned around to meet Samuel, God changed his heart. And all the signs came about that time. Amen. When Saul and his servant arrived at Hebeah, the group of the prophets met him. And the Spirit of God came powerfully on him, and he prophesied along them. Everyone who knew him previously... And saw him prophesy with the prophets, asked each other, What on earth has happened to the son of Kish? Is Saul amongst the prophets? Now, in charismatic Pentecostal circles, there's a little phrase which isn't in the Bible and has some good pieces to it. It's called the corporate anointing. What does that mean? It means that when we come together as a healthy community doing life together, there is a Holy Spirit corporateness. There is something that god does in a combined space that is essential and vital to the well-being isn't it amazing that the prophet sends saul there he says, that's the community i want you to be in that's the community i need you to engage with again it stumps me when i think of this band of christians in, in orange county that just go from one groovy sexy church to the next God puts us in a community, dear friends, and the reason for that community is, and you will be transformed, and God will change your heart. It's an ecosystem for transformation, where we see each other warts and all, where we hurt alongside each other. So appreciate Joe getting up honestly and telling us about how Shelly messed up this week. I mean, how he messed up this week. (laughs) just so love the honesty and the transparency it's income I, if, if I could I wouldn't use a mic but they keep telling me I have to for the recording and I don't even know watches the recording maybe the three people my mother my sister and someone who hates me I think those are the only people who watch this because if I could I would rather just sit amongst you and explore what these things mean dear friends but my point is this, the prophet sent Saul to a community And he said, something will happen to you there that will change you forever. The Spirit of the Lord came powerfully on him. Was Saul a prophet? Not for a minute. But he prophesied because God wanted this king to be prophet, at least to be in the presence of prophets and priests and kings, the great Old Testament triangle. Dear, dear friends, here as much as as much as our first passage the empowerment of the artist that god appointed him by name it's also true here that the prophet sends you to a community and be there because that's the right ecosystem for you not forever you don't get tied by the bounds of loyalty and shackled to an ongoing obligation but for a season god puts you in a community where you do life And in that circle, you will think it's the most incredible church ever. Tyler preached on this, gosh, I don't know, two years ago. You'll think it's the most incredible church. And then you will think it's the worst church ever. The leaders suck. The worship is dreadful. I don't even know why we should have all of this. And then if you allow the Spirit of God to take you to that third space, it's where we settle into the rhythms of beauty and wonder and majesty as the Spirit of God resides with us. There is a second part to the story, and it's chapter 19. And David fled and escaped and went to Samuel at Ramah and told him everything Saul had done to him. And then he and Samuel left and stayed at Naamith, or whatever. Where, did it, Troy, I needed you to read that word. <laughs> and when it was reported to Saul that David was a Nioth, he said, They'd say it quickly, and then it sounds almost right. And if you say it with an accent, oh, then it just sounds like that... Obviously, the way you say it, he just. And he sent his agents, agents or messengers. The NIV says messengers to seize David. However, when they saw the group of the prophets prophesying with Samuel leading them, the Spirit of God came on Saul's messengers and they started prophesying. Dang. And so he sent another bunch. And when they found them, they started prophesying. He sent a third group of messengers, and they began to prophesy and went to Saul at Ramah. And so Saul said, well, I better go. And the Spirit of the Lord came on him as he walked along and he prophesied until he entered Noah in Ramah. And Saul then removed his clothes. This is getting super weird. (laughs) This is getting super embarrassing. The king, king is naked. Sounds like a child's book, isn't it? And he prophesied before samuel and he collapsed the anointing was that strong that he collapsed oh no that can't be god we know that if you fall over that can't possibly be god because it's culturally awkward listen i've seen all these things happen but i've never seen a naked person in a meeting and guess what i'm not wanting to lead that one if i saw it it's at that moment in time i'd run out the door in sheer panic and get therapy And Saul removed his clothes and also prophesied before Samuel. He collapsed and laid naked all that day and all that night. And that is why they say, is Saul amongst the prophets? Now, this is a heightened moment of manifest presence. The first time we saw Saul immediately encounter God in a unique way. And he is transformed. His heart changes. The people said, wow, is he amongst the prophets? My father was an alcoholic, and um, they said if he had one more pancreas attack, he would die. Three o'clock one morning, he had his third pancreas attack, and he fell off his bed, and he cried out to God, "If you save me, I will follow you." And God did. He never touched alcohol again, and that was Dana was born. I think is that right? So it's about thirty-four years. But you know what was incredible? He ran a construction company, and he was a tough old kajer. If his laborers gave him a hot time, he'd hit them. It's not America. He was tough. He's in your face, cussed you out. His laborers came, they were doing a wall in my house, and they came to Merrill, actually, and said, what's happened to Pat? What do you mean, what's happened to Pat? Well, he doesn't cuss anymore. Yeah, yeah, is that what he said? This laborer said, or work artisan said, No, I don't understand him anymore because obviously there's the, the, the English Zulu thing anyway. But he said, I can't understand him. What has happened to Pat? And Meryl had to share with him that Pat had encountered the living Christ. And he was so radically transformed that his business language changed, his business practice changed. His staff could not understand him because the anointing transforms the soul now here the anointing is more tangible saul takes his clothes off saul collapses in a heap you know like parents who don't know what's happening in the church here messenger comes messenger goes back say dang i prophesied that you're not very helpful another messenger comes oh dang you prophesied and then saul comes but what's the difference here the anointing is stronger the power of god is more present He is naked and prophesying all day and all night, ladies and gentlemen, but he is unchanged. There are many people who run from meeting to the meeting, swoon, fall over, amazing, the glory of God was there, but they don't love their husbands more. That meeting, to me, forgive my bold passion, means nothing. In fact, it could be negative because it means that your heart is harder. You do not have facility to allow the Spirit of God to transform you. You are maybe more angry, more resentful, more bitter, or whatever the case may be. God, this was God's last ditch effort to reach out to Saul and say, we can change this. And Saul leaves more angry, more bitter than when he arrived. And the anointing was stronger and he prophesied for longer and he was naked and he was there all day and all night ladies and gentlemen please why do we worship many reasons but one of them is to create that corporate anointing whereby god can rest upon his people and they we can be transformed people say well i I don't need worship oh my dear friend forgive me but you've exposed your ignorance really what you're saying is i don't need the holy spirit i've got my life sorted i've got this i've got personality talents gifts and abilities i've learned some skills well I, i don't i don't need open worship because this is an exquisite but challenging exaltation man who was in the presence of God when everyone prophesied and he was transformed. The man who was in the presence of God for longer, weightier, and remained unchanged. Our liturgy is not an obligation to corporate worship. But it is a facilitation of the presence of God that men and women may experience it. You don't know who is next to you. Um, can I be a little crass here? I'm just looking to see if that there was a visitor here at the worship on on Wednesday night. Are you here? That that young girl we prayed for. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Thank you. No, no, no. Sorry. I'm standing over there watching the worship, and I mean it, it's great. No chairs. Just enraptured in God. People are caught up. And she's standing like this, I think somewhat awed by it. And I just felt God say, He wants to minister to her. I called Dana over said, Dee, will you even pray for her? She just starts weeping. Weeping. I go and pray for her, she starts weeping. I mean, she continues weeping. No, she's actually wept more. No, I'm joking. <laughs> it's just in our family, I always win, so there has to be more weeping. <laughs> But she says to Dana afterwards, words to this effect When you guys sing, does this shit happen all the time? Oh, yeah, it does. It happens all the time. (laughs) Uh, Because she tasted the eternal and the transcendent. She tasted the one who transforms the soul. And I looked at her closely at the end, and there was a softness that wasn't there before because she had encountered. The living god and that's why we worship and it's not always dear friends for me or about me the longer we walk with the lord the less it's about me and the more it's about you that in my worship god can be manifest so that your life could be touched mine can i hope the dooleys don't mind me saying this but Last Sunday, Stu was unwell, picked up a kind of a food bug or thing. And so Dana was here worshiping. During the worship, God speaks to her. Not unknown to her, Stu isn't at home on Netflix. He's got his guitar in his study and he's worshiping. Guess what? God said the same thing to both of them. Is it a surprise? Of course it's not, because God wants to speak in an ambiance of worship. What do these three stories tell us? There is an empowerment for the artistic if we allow the Holy Spirit to reside in us, beyond our natural ability. There is an empowerment through leadership that we always weigh very carefully under whose leadership we position ourselves, because we will become like them. And thirdly, there is an empowerment in community that who we with, we will become like. But the ecology is there. But do we take the moment to bow our knee to sweet transformation. Honestly, I, I hope this was, this was okay. Honestly, for me, you know why I do these things? Um, I, I've been thinking about it this week, 45 years of meetings. I must be nuts. I must be completely bonkers. I've never counted them. Somewhere between three to five a week for 45 years why do i do it because i see the power of god transform lives when we gather together i am so jolly persuaded okay we're going to break bread together we are running a little late whatever that means over there is wine over there is grape juice over there is grape juice i want those of you who believe god's called you appointed you by name to be creatives In some measure, shape, or form, it can be music, it can be painting, it can be in business. I'm sorry I don't have to mention you by name. I want you to stand. I want people just to stand around you and pray for you real quick. Okay, can you do that now? Just remain standing.